I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Wood Talk. Now here are three guys who think true grit starts at 220. Mark, Shannon, and Matt. All right, it is show number 455 for November 26th. 2018. On today's show, we're talking about our woodworking predictions for the next year, our woodworking goals, stickering barrel staves, uh, rite of passage projects, clamping pressure, sanding dovetails, dueling dust collectors. <laughs> There's a lot of interesting topics today. A lot of stuff. It really is. This is all for one show. It really is. Yeah. All right. All right. Okay. Here we go. Uh, what we watch and listen to, and then getting back into woodworking after oh, a, more. a oh. layoff. Yeah, just a few more. Just a, a couple little cherries on the Sunday. You know? More uh, topics, and I will mention more half assed answers. Right. And it's only fair because really, yeah, we should do our best. This is the last show for the year. So a lot of people uh, might be disappointed to hear that, but we, uh, like like we promised probably a couple years ago now, that we will be taking substantial breaks <laughs> when, when it comes time for holiday breaks and things like that. So this is the last show for, these, for the year. We will be back January 7th for our regular, you know, every Monday release of shows. So uh, if you don't hear from us until then, have a wonderful holiday season. And yeah. We'll see you in January. And let me on social media. Let me just say for all the people who think I'm a jerk, I actually convinced these guys to record one more round. So you're getting two more episodes this than is they true. wanted that to give you. True, so yeah, who's last the jerk week, Matt now? And I were like, yeah, we're like, I think we're done. And he's like, no, we should do one more. We're like, ah, oh, you stink. <laughs> so he guilted us. You're like my mom, the guilt with a Jersey guilt trip going on here. Uh, okay, so let's get right into the good stuff here. We've got, um, what is this, from John. He's got a question about barrel staves. Hey, guys, John Briegel here from Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, I guess my question kind of goes to Matt or Shannon on this one. So I just recently inherited some 22-inch white oak barrel stave offcuts. Um, you know, they're various widths, 
and I was wondering how I would go about stickering them. You know, you always see the longboard stacked up nice and neatly, you know, with about an inch of space in between them. So I was wondering if you could stack all of these boards parallel to each other and go up in layers, if that would make a difference, or any recommendations you would have for me moving forward to dry this stuff out. And I was wondering if the shorter boards would have a different dry time than a longer board. Thank you all very much. We'll see you guys. Hmm. Barrel staves. How would you guys store them? Are they wet? So we try and dry them? Sounds like, I mean, he did say that they need to dry. What so, are they wet with? Whiskey? Yeah. They're, it sounds like he said they were off cuts, right? So they're probably not used yet. Probably. So they're just basically small, thin, probably no longer than what? Four foot sections. Yeah. And they're all different thicknesses. Is that the problem? I'm going to guess they're consistent thickness. Um, maybe varying widths might be an issue. No, not really. Yeah. I, I'd be tempted to throw them in a pile. <laughs> you know what I mean, like it's, it's one thing to sticker and stack like six inch to 10 inch wide boards. But if you're talking about sliver pieces, you know, basically offcuts from staves, Sounds like fairly small pieces. I can't imagine anything being wider than maybe two or three inches wide. That sounds like a damn nightmare. Trying to like make sure that those are all properly stickered and stacked. And Same some, as any other thing. Put them on a layer. It's lasagna. Yeah. Throw them down. Put your stickers on there. And just lay them side by side. You know, yeah, just, just like 12, 16 stack, inches across. Yeah, Unless but, I'm really I missing mean, something. I think, I think, though, what Mark's saying about them being... Small, that can go two ways, though. Because there's less meat there, they may be more prone to, like, getting all crazy curved and wonky and side bend and twist because there's not enough actual yeah. wood there to hold its shape. So I could see wanting to sticker them. But, yeah, I'd put, you know, four or five on a layer, throw a stick across, put another four or five on a layer, throw a stick across, and, and be done. They shouldn't take too long to dry because they're so short. And, yes, the yeah. shorter ones will dry faster than the longer ones. It'd be cool if they were used, though. And then they like had a scent with them. Yeah. That would be fun. It'd be pretty cool. Okay. Uh, let's get to the next one here. So I got a question from Michael about clamping pressure. Good morning, fellas. My question this morning is related to clamping pressure. I never really know how tight to screw down on those clamps. I typically use uh, those blessy red parallel clamps and um, I just never really know how tight to make it um, sometimes whenever I'm doing tabletops for example even though I'll have them spread out on the bottom and on the top I'll notice as I'm tightening the board actually tends to start uh, not the board but the whole tabletop will tend to tend to start kind of curling upwards a little bit so um, I got even when it's not super tight um, so I'll back down some and then start tightening the ones on the top to kind of counteract that. And in the end, to keep it flat, I'll end up what seems to be not a significant amount of clamping pressure. So any advice you can give me on that specific issue and just clamping tightness in general would be greatly appreciated. Thank you very much. I find it to be a hard thing to, um, to describe to someone without actually showing them in, in, in the context of an actual glue up. Um, but Matt, I, I'll give you first crack at this one. I, uh, I would go with as little pressure as is needed. So you're not like, just bring the joint together, right? Just to bring the, just to close your joint. And that's all you really need because once you get past that point, that pressure is just 
kind of building in the piece and it's got to go somewhere. So you might be, that's when you start, like if you're doing a tabletop and you're putting a lot of pressure on it like that, that's when you start to see things start to move around because you have so much pressure, that pressure is going to deform the boards mm-hmm. and do something weird. So as much pressure as it takes to close the joint is what I do. And usually if your stuff is, you know, milled nicely, it doesn't really take much of any pressure at all. Just like as much as you can squeeze two fingers on the clamp handle is all I usually use. Or panel, at least. Sure. I mean, there's different different types of glue-ups we could talk about that would maybe take different pressure. I've done things with mortise and tenon joints, and I sometimes feel guilty about not applying pressure. But if I, <laughs> if I, with glue in the joint, can put the joint together, the shoulder is completely sealed visually to the, one, like the point that I want it to be sealed. I don't see any gaps. There's really no reason to put a clamp on that. Like, have you guys ever been in that situation where it's like, well, why would I even clamp this thing? It's just putting extra pressure where I don't even need it. That's why I would do my dovetails. I don't clamp them because they're, you seat the joint. Yeah. And what's going to happen? You're going to seat it more? Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) If anything, you're just going to deform things with too much pressure. Yeah. Especially because you can't put, unless you're using a dovetail call or something, you can't put pressure directly on the joints. You have to put it inside the joints and then you're asking for trouble. Yeah. I mean, he's using those Bessie things. Those have got like, you know, 39, 4,200 pounds per square inch capability on them. So no, you don't need that much pressure. Uh, I, I think generally, if you really are cranking down on a clamp handle, you're compensating for something. I don't mean that like in a general life, <laughs> life sense. <laughs> I don't mean it like that. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're compensating for a flaw in the work that you feel like you you need to like like let's do the panel glue up situation if the boards aren't you know nice and straight you are going to have to really crank down to close up gaps and like you said that pressure is going somewhere and if you do successfully close up that gap well you've just kind of locked a natural spring back in the wood you're locking it out then that could eventually spring apart at some point in the future so you definitely want to kind of keep you know just be careful with something like that if you really are hammering down on those clamps something might be wrong yeah I usually, like if it's a panel joint, I'm looking for the squeeze out. Like if I can get even bead of squeeze out all the way around the joint, Mm -hmm. I will like with the fingertips, like twist it maybe a quarter turn more and I'm good to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Just doesn't take a lot. No. All right. And you know, funny thing is using this uh, alder on Mateo's uh, bunk bed, softer woods, you got to be really, really careful because you're doing something that's like a nearly finished piece. You're doing the glue up. And then you hammer down on those clamps, take the clamps off. And what do you have? Beautiful dents <laughs> that you just <laughs> Lovely made. Dents. Yeah. Because of too much clamping pressure. So That's you do have what to happen with my spruce sides for my drawers. Oh, I nice. I put the spruce side down on the bench and there was like a chip of walnut oh. on the bench. <laughs> and I've got, it's like, well, it's like, a, it's a drawer side. So I don't care that much, but yeah, I have yeah. like a hole in the side. Yep. Because this chip of walnut was just on the bench. Stupid little tiny chip of wood. That's what <laughs> That's happens. All, all right. Speaking of dovetails. Um, Michael has a question about sanding them. Hi guys, this is Michael from Cleveland. Um, I'm just finishing up my first set of halfway decently executed dovetails and I'm wondering as to the best method to sand the end grain on the pins and the tails. I know on a, on a regular board you would sand you know, a couple of grits higher than the faces and edges of the boards. Um, so if I'm going to do that for the end grain on the pins and the tails, would I do it before assembly of the joint or after everything is all assembled, but then you're going to wind up with uh, some higher sanded grain, face grain, uh, you know, around the dovetails. I'm just, I'm not quite sure how to handle this. So I'd appreciate any help. Thanks very much. 
Now let's go around. I think each of us may even have a different approach to how we handle this. So if I just have a simple dovetail drawer, I am not going to do anything before assembly. So there's uh, usually there's some discrepancy in the fit that I'm going to have to address afterwards. So any sanding I would do to that end grain ahead of time is just kind of wasting my time. Uh, so once everything's glued up, I may hit the proud pins. I may hit those with a block plane or a smoother just to work them down if there's enough material there. Um, but usually it's pretty close. Honestly, I may just hit that with either a, if it's a big enough drawer, a random orbit sander uh, with a hard back pad on it. So it's actually not going to, to round anything over um, or just a sanding block. And I will just sand to whatever my grit is. In that situation, the whole sanding grain, like end grain to a higher grit, I don't really think that that, is a factor most of the time. Like most people want to see a bit of contrast. Uh, so having your end grain on your dovetails darken up a little bit is not quite the same as having like a big tabletop where your end grain is looking darker or a raised panel door where the cuts that go kind of across the grain wind up looking darker than the rest of the panel. Uh, it's not that kind of situation. So I don't even think about it. I sand it to whatever the grit I'm sanding the rest of the project to and call it done. Uh, what about you guys, Matt? What do you do? I have nothing to add to that. <laughs> Same thing. Glue it together, flush it up, move on with my life. It's so dismissive. I'm going to try English this time. Um, <laughs> dismissive. I just took a drink of water, so my, my lips are all lubed up, and I couldn't get the words <laughs> so out. So lubed up? All right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Shannon, do you, you have a different process? No. No, I, I think it's his, his issue is he's kind of misunderstanding when that higher grid on end grain is necessary. Like we yeah. want contrast here. Why, why would you use dovetails otherwise <laughs> through dovetails anyway? You know? Um, sure. So no, I just use a plane, flush them up and be done. Move on with my life. Move on with your life. <laughs> Dismiss it entirely is what you're going to do. Yeah. But no, I agree with you. Definitely <laughs> don't do anything before, before install. Even if you laid it out perfectly flush, something's going to happen during the glue up that it's not going to yeah. be perfectly flush anymore. Yeah, and even if it's just glue squeeze out, you're, you're doing yeah. something to the side that you're going to have to start at a lower grit and work your way up anyway. Cool. All right. We got one more here. Uh, let's see this one. I don't think I even have a name, but it's about dust collection. Hey, Mark, Matt, Shannon. I have a question probably for Mark. So oh let's suppose that you have a dust collector and you want more volume rather than replacing the existing dust collector. What if you got a second one of exactly the same model and size and put them in your dust collection system? Would that work or would they manage to destroy each other in some sort of weird air war? Sorry. Weird. <laughs> Sorry, so I completely mistimed that. I wanted the sound of crickets because I have no idea what the answer to this is. And I queued it up a little bit too soon. So uh, that would have been really funny otherwise. I was like, this is kind of rude. Totally, totally <laughs> blew that. <laughs> oh, shoot. Okay, so do you, uh, what do you guys think? I mean, he said it to me, but I've got no clue. If you put two comparable dust collectors on the same line and somehow had them both pulling in concert, what is are the they, effect are on they the in airflow? Series or are they in parallel? I'm trying to think about how you would actually pull this off, right? Well, Stuppy Nubs did a video, James Hamilton did a video a few years ago where he did that, like put two in series to see if it would do anything. Uh huh. And I believe it was ineffective. 
basically it was no different than having just one. I'll okay. see if I can find that video and we can put that in the notes. Seems but to me as it's still was, pulling, still moving the same amount of air, right? So there's it's not like a superposition principle where you're, you know, two suddenly moves twice the amount of the air. They're still pulling the same amount of volume. The only way you so could the, maybe the make that. The second one has to pull through the first one. Right. If yeah. they're in series. So but if that was like, no, if they're in parallel and you have like a Y in your system and you have it going to two separate collectors, would that give you even more pull? Still be the same column of air. It would just be split. There would, there probably wouldn't be a, you know, drop off, I think. I mean, the only way I could see this accelerating or increasing the column of air is the first one pulls enough to create a vacuum. So the second one is pulling you know, against no air resistance. That's the only way. Just physics tells me that you'd need, you'd need a bigger motor uh, 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 or a collector that can, that can move a greater CFM in order to make any difference. And even then, I think it would still probably default to the, the weakest link. So it's, it's kind of like we're, what we're proposing here is that you would maybe not lose suction as easily, but you're never going to be higher than the weakest link of the, like what the lowest CFM is, but maybe so. with two of them working together, you may not lose suction as much. I don't know. We I'm, need somebody who knows like I'm air sure dynamics. one of our smart engineering listeners, anybody who has, cause we're just know. like throwing crap on the wall here. And I would, we won't hear from you until next year. <laughs> yes, exactly. Actually don't do that. I, I specifically <laughs> wanted to put a note in here to tell people don't send us anything. Don't email anything because we're not going to get to it until next year. So that's a shame. Uh, maybe we should like, I don't know. I want to put a question out maybe in a story or something. Cause there's gotta be some kind of engineer person that would understand airflow and how that would, uh, how that would be impacted. So when you're saying in series, they're both in line together, same yeah, so cutting like one's hooked up to the other one. Okay. Series, and then yeah. in parallel, we're talking about branching off with a Y. I haven't seen anyone try it in parallel. I don't think I don't, I don't know. I feel like the easiest way to do it. If you had the situation is to, is to do it in parallel with a, you know, just a, a Y branch. Yeah. I don't think I've seen anybody do that though. So maybe that's an interesting test for somebody who has two collectors and nothing better to do. Yeah. <laughs> Right. And ultimately, you, Mark, the, the question being here, like, why would you even do this? <laughs> like, is it, is it going to be enough of a benefit to bother doing it? I don't know. Because you have two collectors and that's for whatever reason, you've got like a two for deal. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. No, see, I, I still think like, because you're talking about the same volume, the volume of air in your system. And if you make it in parallel, you create a wide joint that just adds to the overall volume of the system, right? And your mm -hmm. each collector is still pulling at the same rate. And, you know, funny thing about air is it fills back in. When you remove it, more comes in. So it's the same, the, the, <laughs> the volume of the column of air that you're pulling through your system is constant. Um, unless you just run out of air and you're creating that vacuum I was talking about before, in which case you have bigger problems, get out of the room before you die. Run away. The house implodes on you. You know, one of so those things. In the, in the chat, Michael Zellman says the static pressure increases, but the CFM stays the same in series. And then David Nichols fell asleep. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so there's that. Okay. okay. Good to know. <laughs> Clearly we're on a very uh, hot topic now. Yeah. Okay. So let's move on to our emails. That does it for our voicemail kickback. By the way, use the uh, app on your phone. If you want to send us voicemail kickback in the new year, don't do it now. Because we're gonna we're gonna be sitting on it for a couple of months and might not even use. And we'll it. have no idea what you're talking about. Exactly. We don't remember what we talked about. But just in keep keep in mind in 2019, if the urge ever hits you to record record a voicemail on your phone, you can do that and send it to us at uh, woodtalkonline at gmail.com. 
All right, let's get in the email. So Rachel, Rachel Steele wrote in. Sounds like a um, like a Harlequin romance novelist, <laughs> right? The the read nope. the latest the uh, hot no. love affair about pirates from Rachel Steele. <laughs> <laughs> that's pirate that's, booty. Pirate, yeah, the, the latest <laughs> title called Pirate Booty. <laughs> I might read that actually. Now that you mentioned it. <laughs> Okay. This one. Sorry, Rachel. See, this is why uh, this is why we can't have people write into us. We just make fun of them. It's all in good fun. Okay. So, um, what's your take on rite of passage projects? For instance, you have to build your own shop furniture or workbench, or else you are some kind of a poser. I know, I know how to build these things, but my shop time is limited, and I just want to build things that I want to build. Thoughts? Okay. So. I, there are certain rite of passage projects that I like. I think they're fun to build. I think they're rewarding, but don't listen to any of that crap. Like ultimately build whatever you want to build. Like if you don't feel like building shop cabinets, so you went out and bought some and some like ding dong has a problem with that on Instagram. Well, screw them. Who cares? You know, do what's right for your shop, whatever makes you happy. So while I do think there are some good projects that are nice to kind of have under your belt because I think they're good learning experiences. And then you're left with something, uh, especially it's like a shop workbench, you're left with something that you can use. And, and, you know, honestly, the bench I built is better than any bench I could have purchased unless, unless I hired someone specifically to make me a custom bench. Um, it's better than anything I could have bought. But that said, you know, if I just wanted to use an MFT as my workbench and that worked for me, who cares? You know, no one can say anything about, well, they can say it, but they don't have a right to say anything about it. Um, do you guys think any of these rite of passion passage projects are actually necessary? People should do them if they want to call themselves a woodworker. Yes. First project. Yeah. So wait, you have to do the first project. project. (laughs) (laughs) Now you're a woodworker. Yeah. You made something. Boom. You made something out of wood. Congrats. I want to go back to the rite of passion. Rachel Steele. Right of Passion. That's the that's <laughs> yes. the other book. That's uh, the sequel <laughs> to Pirate Booty. <laughs> this is good stuff. Yeah. So ultimately, my advice, uh, Rachel, is don't even don't even listen to that. Take look at those rite of passage projects and see if you could figure out what it is that makes them sort of being held on a pedestal like that. And then if it's of interest to you, then jump in. If not, who cares? Just you know, buy what you need to buy and then build the stuff you want to build. Be that guy who won't make their own replacement hand plane tote. Yes. Yeah. Be, well, <laughs> because the company will give you one for free. Like why waste your time building a stupid handle when you could just buy one or get one as a replacement? Come on, people. Because you're a woodworker or something. It's uh, your rite of passage, hand plane <sighs> accessories. <sighs> yeah, I think when... Uh, you could have made it custom. See, and here's the thing. Don't feel bad, Rachel, because we get this stuff all the time, right? I, I put up a... Um, wall control metal pegboard and had several comments about what, what kind of self-respecting woodworker would buy a pegboard product instead of just building one. And I'm like me, (laughs) (laughs) somebody with stuff to do. Yeah. Somebody who wants to do something other than build a stupid pegboard (laughs) panel. Like I've got other things to do and nothing to prove. Who would even use pegboard? I mean, don't you know about French cleats? (laughs) Well, (laughs) <laughs> There's a 2008 video, I think, that uh, talks about those. French cleats are great. They're fine. But colored pegboard, dude, I got blue pegboard. It's great. I love it. You know, it's a little special paint, right? You could paint anything blue. Listen, Matt, I don't need you playing devil's advocate here. 
all I have. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that's it for, uh, for that question. Um, I think Matt, you got the next one. Yep. Uh, this is from Jason he says, good day, sirs. Got like put this in a different spot where my microphone's not right in front of the screen where I'm supposed to like trying to read. Yeah. Trying to read through the shock mount on the microphone. It's very hard. I, that's probably why I can't read. So I can't see the screen. Well, be, maybe yeah. part of the problem is that your shock mount looks like a dinner plate. <laughs> oh yeah. <who's> got <laughs> <laughs> or, or like some kind of sci-fi halo. Like why don't you get like a normal size microphone stand and uh, then you won't have the problem. Yeah. It's, it's a sunk cost already, Mark. Okay. <laughs> sunk cost. <laughs> okay. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. Continue. Oh boy. Uh, all right. So anyway, this is from Jason. It says, I'm a longtime listener, first time commenter slash questioner. As a beginning woodworker, I Googled around and stumbled upon each of your YouTube channels, which eventually led me to the Wood Talk podcast. I enjoy the content of your show and your individual YouTube channels, and I learned a ton. Even so far to go as buying Mark's book. God forbid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, That's great. Yep. Which one? Uh, I hope to someday remember half of what each of you have forgotten. Wow. Hmm. With a newborn son, I spent a lot of time up uh, up at night listening to old episodes and watching videos. The intro Shannon's the intro of Shannon's industry update is basically his lullaby. My question <laughs> for you is simple: Do you also religiously watch any channels other than your own? And if so, who and why? Insert obligatory and cheeky comment about not quitting or knitting here. Okay. Jesus. Okay. This is always a tough one for me because I don't watch anybody religiously. I don't watch anything religiously. Um, I listen to a lot of podcasts and all these new maker podcasts. I, I tend to bounce around a little bit. So I don't really have a particular maker or YouTuber or you know person online that I watch religiously. But I do have some podcasts that I listen to. So let's see. A couple of the, the newest ones that I'm enjoying, uh, and I'm, gonna ref I'm not going to remember everybody's name. Um, but I do have from the ground up already in my feed here. We mentioned that on the last show. Uh, the Green Woodworker I've been listening to. Um, if You Build It podcast is pretty good. Maker Vision podcast. Uh, the One Hour Smart Home. Wait, how'd that get in there? Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Woodshop Life podcast and uh, Woodworkers podcast. A lot of podcasts. Yeah, and that's that's just a small sampling. I mean, there's there's a lot of them. And I go through like phases with with these shows but i do i have the opportunity to listen to a lot of content when i'm in the shop i don't have the opportunity to sit down and watch really anything and i play video games so if i'm going to sit down and do anything it's going to be sit down and play a video game uh but i thought you guys might be more active <laughs> on the watching side of things you have any uh any must like can't miss channels that you pay attention to no <laughs> i hate to say nah, it i'm looking um, I'm like you, Mark, that I have more time to listen. And when I do have time to sit down and watch, it's usually Netflix. So, yeah, yeah um, it's a break from woodworking stuff. Well, but it, it's it's an interesting thing. Yeah, some of it is like I don't need more woodworking. And when I'm watching YouTube, it's because I'm wanting to learn something. Like I'm looking for something in particular. To but learn. YouTube for me now, yeah, I just wanted to learn. <laughs> um, YouTube for me now is like, <clears throat> when your inbox gets to like 3000 messages and you're just like, ah, like I have so yeah. many subscriptions in YouTube and like you log in, you're like, oh my good Lord. And then I just, too log much. Out. <laughs> I just, there's just too much here. I give up yeah. and I, I log out. And it's terrible because there is some great stuff out there, but I just, I don't find myself having the time to do it anymore. 
I kind of wish the YouTube of today was like 10 years ago when I was at a different point in my consumption and my learning curve yeah. where I would, I would have killed to have access to this many smart and entertaining people. And it's just, I'm at a point in my life with, with two kids and a busy schedule that I just don't have the time uh, to dive into it. And uh, I feel bad about it. What about you, Matt? You got nothing going on. That's true at all. My life. <laughs> Zero things going on in my life. It's quite nice. Especially after that third one arrives, there's nothing going on for you. Oh, yeah, that. Yeah, that's going to be fun. <laughs> uh, I mean, I watch a lot of stuff, but like, I, I don't know. Like, I'm not into watching woodworking videos anymore <laughs> for whatever reason. Probably because I make them all the time. So I'm just like, and I do, I, I subscribe like, well, like 700 channels I subscribe to. I subscribe to pretty much like every woodworking channel that I know of. Mm-hmm. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And I'll see them all come in. It's like enough for me to like to know what people are working on. And I'm happy with that. It's just browse by thumbnails. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, they made that. They made that. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, not that I, like years ago, I would literally watch everything that came through. But now I'm like, I, I don't need to see another project. If I'm going to watch a video from someone in like in the woodworking community, it's going to be one of their talking videos where they just like tell you about what they're mm-hmm. working on. Casual. Thing. Or, you know, one of those kind of things. Because I'm for every reason, I'm more into watching those. Um, but you know what? Here's an interesting point. I'm not watching much on YouTube, but I'm watching a lot on Instagram. So as maybe, maybe the platform has changed and I get the impression you guys watch more on Instagram than I do. Cause you're always like, did you see that? I'm like, wait, I'm late to the party. (laughs) I am watching a lot of stuff on Instagram because it's also a lot faster. I'm not watching IGTV stuff. I'm just watching stuff that comes into my feed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like, uh, oh, what's his name? His, um, his handles, uh, Ramon artful. I oh, believe yeah. he, mm-hmm. he posts videos all the time. I'm watching his stuff. Um, there's, there's just a bunch of people on Instagram that I follow and just because it's in my feed, it's easier. It's more consumable and I could do it while I'm uh, taking a do on a toilet. <laughs> you know, it's uh, <laughs> it, it's stuff that I can actually keep up with. Yeah. I watch like, if I'm going to watch like a project, I've actually been watching a lot more like machining and metalworking videos lately than I do yeah. like any kind of like woodworking project. Interesting. You know, there, there's gotta be something to what you just said uh, previously about like, if I'm, if I'm a chef and I'm cooking all day, the last thing I'm going to want to do when I come home is cook. <laughs> it's true. You know what I mean? I'm probably going to order some food and get some takeout. Yeah. Uh, when, when, and it's not the woodworking aspect. It's not that we woodwork all day that we don't want to look at it at night. We're into content production all the time. So when you see someone doing content, I don't know about you guys, but I tend to look at it 
And I get like, there's things I see and go, oh man, I'm not that creative. I want to do stuff like that with my videos. And it actually stresses me out a little bit. Yes. Yeah, there's that. There's that part. <laughs> right? So that's part of it where it's not as enjoyable of a process because I'm overanalyzing it and not just enjoying it for what it is. You know, so that's like I watch some of these videos. I'm like, that's, I know, I know how you did that. That's way too much work. Yeah, <laughs> Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> yeah. The amount of gear you have, like just these casual videos that some of our, you know, um, uh, folks who do what we do, uh, you know, they're throwing their camera on, you know, there's a little slow moving dolly slide dealy whackers, like every shot there's mobility in it. And I'm like, ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> like there's the one no thing way that I, that I know now more than anything is like when I watch a, a shot of someone like walking somewhere, yeah. you see like walk past the camera and then the shot changes and the camera somewhere else. Like they walk into the distance and <laughs> yeah. I'm forward, like, you know, when they hit when like, the part they cut out was the part they ran back to the camera, grabbed it, moved it somewhere else, set it up again, and then started yep. walking back from the same position again. Like it took you like three minutes to walk 10 feet. Yeah. We know how the sausage is made guys. That's the yeah, problem. That's what it is. That's exactly what it is. Okay. Uh, so that's probably it for what Jason's question. Um, okay. Well, yeah, Shannon. Stump said any thoughts on getting back into woodworking after a couple year layoff? I am of the Luddite work woodworker variety. So electricity is only used for illumination and coffee peculation. I think that's probably percolation, but yeah. peculation. I don't drink enough coffee. Maybe that's something. Um, should I build a box <laughs> or go straight to building an entire bedroom suite? Should I have my dad call during planned shop time? Yes. <laughs> nice. That's always helpful. Um, I, I've talked to a lot of folks that are this way for one reason or another, you know, somebody was deployed um, they were in Afghanistan for two years and they came back and want to get back into it. I think kind of quoting Matt earlier, that rite of passage, just get building, just get in there. <laughs> um, while I'm not going to claim that woodworking is like riding a bike, um, anybody who was at the 2014 woodworking in America and saw my horrible dovetails in the hand tool Olympics can tell you that if you haven't cut dovetails in a while, it's not like riding a bike. <laughs> they come out crappy, but the only way to like, rip off that bandaid is just get in and get building something. So what I would recommend if you're coming in after a layoff is build something you actually need, build something you mm -hmm. actually want to build, you know? So use his example, I'm going to build a box or straight to a bedroom suite. Well, is there a catalyst? Is there like, is it coming up on Christmas? Do you need to give a box to somebody? Are you excited about a particular box design? If, if you can say yes, and you have a solid reason for getting in there and just getting it done, then by all means, I think, trying to artificially generate excitement when you've been out of it for a while by a project you're not really that into is only going to lead to failure. And I don't think that there's going to be any magic warm-up project that's going to make that next project that much easier. You may stumble, you may forget how, how a tool was used, but the best way to learn how to use it again is to use it. And, you know, fixing mistakes is what we do in woodworking. So just get over the fact that you're ever going to build a project where you don't make a mistake and just Build one. Get into mm -hmm. it. Jump on in. The water is dusty. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. Okay, so uh, just a couple of things since it is our end of year show, even it's a little bit early as far as the calendar is concerned. This is the last show for us this year. We wanted to talk about our goals and our woodworking predictions for 2019. And uh, the predictions, I don't know what the guys have decided on. They could be anything uh, as long as it's related to the woodworking world and it could be outlandish, <laughs> funny, or just plain stupid. Uh, we'll see how that goes. 
Uh, and then of course our personal <laughs> goals for 2019. And I'm trying to stay on the woodworking and not so much like content goals. Uh, so let's start with our predictions. You guys have something? Cause sure. I, I can go first if you still need to think about it. I'll, I'll, I'll jump in. I thought about this. Okay. I was thinking about this last week, actually. Go ahead. I predict that in 2019, we are finally going to see, um, whether it be through magazines, whether it just be people on YouTube building things, we're finally going to see some new furniture styles being talked about. And by new, I mean, haven't really been covered before. Um, hmm. I anticipate we're actually going to see some people building some like art deco stuff. We're probably going to see, and, and the reason I'm saying this is I, I'm seeing a lot of kind of general malaise for shaker and arts and crafts, basically the stuff that popular woodworking and fine woodworking have been feeding us for years. And because of the maker community and the mixed media ideas, we've started to see like mid-century modern regain popularity. And like, I think of Chris Salome, Four Eyes Furniture, building you know, really cool mid-century with more contemporary flares to it. And mm -hmm. with the ability to to combine in the maker aspect and like the CNC side of things and the laser etchers and all that, I can see people moving towards more ornate, more complex stuff. And the first thing that comes to mind is, is, is art deco. Um, different furniture styles will start popping up because there's a lot of new people to the craft who are looking at some of these more traditional shaker and arts and crafts and even green and green, I feel like has kind of run its course. They're looking for something different. And in many ways, this will make you feel old, kind of like, I don't want to build the stuff that, you know, that guy's building that looks old fashioned. They want to build yeah. something new. They want to, and, and maybe we might even see a new furniture style, something we haven't seen before. Um, I just think it's time. That's my prediction. That's a good one. And I, I think there's merit to that. There's a lot of skill out there and we yeah. can't just keep regurgitating uh, you know, versions of the old stuff that we've been doing forever. So yeah, I think that the world is sort of primed for a new style that isn't made with epoxy. And, and the YouTube and the content creation is spurring that on because everybody's trying to be something yeah. different, do something different, you know? <clears throat> yeah, there's a positive uh, competitive thing going on that's pushing everybody to do something more interesting and do something better. I'm excited. Cool. I'm very I excited like that. for that. All right, Matt, you want to go? You want me to go? I can try one. Okay, try. I made this up. <laughs> just now <laughs> i think that uh like live edge slab stuff is gonna go mainstream next year like for real it's gonna for start realsies? hitting hard so meaning like walmart not really like walmart but you're gonna start seeing it in more people's homes okay. i think it's gonna be a more desirable furniture style so maybe if people are going to buy their new dining table that they went to a furniture store but they really want to to get their live edge slab on because they saw it on Pinterest. Mm -hmm. So maybe that furniture store doesn't have that. Maybe they start having things there. I don't know, but I think the actual like market demand for that style of furniture is actually going to start kind of taking off next year. And do you think as a result of that, we'll start seeing more cheap knockoff attempts where like the, the live edge is either simulated or done in some way that is just kind of asinine. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Like you, you already see those. Right. Went, you say, see some I of those ads. Yeah, like, a live edge table. If I remember correctly, yeah, I, I went to some furniture store when we were like looking for a couch and that was like two years ago and mm -hmm. they had like a live edge table, but it was not a live edge table. It was five edged boards with some trimmings attached to the sides that were actual live edge. And then they had another one that was a bunch of boards glued together. And then someone took their turbo plane and just kind of sculpted some kind of weird looking, almost live edge thing on there live-ish edge live-ish live edge handmade live edge yeah and that was their live edge table but i think 
you know, with Pinterest growing as, or with Pinterest having as many users, users as it does, and with as many people making these really nice, uh, I guess, more organic, well done mm-hmm. slab tables, I think it's going to be a solid push, and there's going to be some serious business out there for um, all the guys that are kind of jumping into furniture production in that style. I think yeah. it's because Matt Cremona released his plans for his bandsaw mill. Well, yeah, that's probably it. That's the catalyst. There's going to be all it is. hundreds and hundreds of Cremona bandsaw mills being made across the country <laughs> and a sudden glut of live-edge slabs. They're gonna... I can't wait for the first one to pop up. There's there's like maybe like a little race going on right now because there's, there's like a few people building them, and I'm kind of curious to see who's going to win. And what color cool. they paint their safety guard. That's right. That's true. That's a very important decision. You can't paint it red, then you just look like that. <laughs> Red's taken. Yeah. yeah, that's that's the stipula- That's the fine print of the plans. In the back, it says, you know, you Not must register red. your color. <laughs> please, please register the hexadecimal oh, code of your color. Color coded. Whatever yeah. Pantone color you're using. <laughs> you need yeah. a website, bandsawcolorregistration.com. No, we're not doing that again. I'm not predicting that I'll be buying any more domains next There's year. There's my prediction. Oh, come on. My goal. My goal for next year. No more domains. They're not too expensive. Uh, all right. I'll get into mine real quick here. Um, I think we're going to see, and this is uh, going more into the, the content topic than I wanted to, but I that's how my brain thinks. I'm sorry. I think you're going to see a um, paid content landslide oh, good in Lord, 2019. Yeah. Uh, I think the what we've seen with... Um, you know, people just every once in a while, there's waves of people who go like pro with, with content creation. Uh, and, and they're now in a situation where their livelihood is derived from this. And, uh, the, the market is just very different than it was a couple of years ago. Uh, I think you're going to see a lot of people who were traditionally just making free content and, you know, relying on ad and sponsorship support moving very, very aggressively, um, into paid content platforms. And it's already happening, so this isn't really a stretch <laughs> for my prediction because it's pretty much like a guaranteed. But I actually think it's going to be pretty substantial and probably even some people who you may not have expected that to occur, you're going to see that happen. So that uh, that's my prediction. That's like a given. No, not, not a landslide. I'm saying it's going to be like substantial. Like, let's say let's say there are eight people who are like actively doing this to sell like paid memberships for, for woodworking stuff. I'm mm-hmm. saying it's going to be 20 by the end of 2019. Yeah, I guess that, yeah. It, I mean, like a substantial yeah. increase. And the, the flip side of this is a substantial decrease in the amount of free content that, that we kind of see as a, a bit of white noise, making it hard for us to watch people. Like we answered in that other question, uh, that there's just too much stuff. I think you're also going to see a significant decrease that comes along with that from some of the bigger channels because of the need to move to a paid platform. I think with that too, I think you'll probably see some turnover with the people that are jumping into it. Yeah. As they kind mm-hmm. of figure out that like, this is a, a lot of work. This is hard. Yeah. This is a lot of yeah. work. This is, this is much harder. The tech stack to keep then, a membership site running is a wee bit daunting. Yeah. yeah it's not, not easy. And I don't know. I think that's kind of scary too because I don't know. You get people jumping into it and then they're not doing it anymore six months later. And you're like, well, that's cool. Yeah. What about all the people that buy all that stuff? Yeah. <laughs> Make I mean, there, Brooklyn there's a risk says, uh, of, it, of it devaluing the stuff that's already it could. out there. 
It could. Uh, Make Brooklyn in the chat room says, you're predicting your business model? (laughs) (laughs) Look, here's the thing. This has been my business model for over 10 years. The rest of the world is just now catching up. So there's that. (laughs) But, you know, I I think you're also going to see turnover as, as, like Mark was saying, as people decrease the amount of free content, um, you're going to see greater content. Like, I think you're going to see the free content shift. Just like we said earlier about most of us end up watching Instagram, but we don't end up watching YouTube that much. The mm-hmm. ease of accessibility of YouTube has, has fallen off pretty dramatically. And and for that matter, you know, I'm here daily now. Have you quit YouTube? Have you quit YouTube? Because I haven't posted something in months. But it's yeah. like <laughs> I post stuff on Instagram all the time, you know, yeah. all the time. And, you know, it, it's it's shifted. The platform for me has shifted. It doesn't mean I quit YouTube. I have every intention of going back to YouTube, but it's so much easier for me to fire up my phone and mm-hmm. rattle off a tip or go live on Instagram, you know, than it is to produce. There's the key word right there, produce a YouTube video. Yeah. And I think well, as people move towards a paid model, they're going to have less time to dedicate to the free stuff. So yeah. the platform is going to end up changing. Well, I would say a hundred percent for me, like a lot of the little articles and blog posts and things that I would have written in the past, those are now things that I'll do on Instagram. So yeah. I'm putting tons of content uh, and time into something like Instagram. And if you don't follow me on Instagram, same thing with you. And like you, th- you think there are people out there who think we're just not doing anything um, because we're not on the platform that they're on, which yeah. is just kind of the way it works sometimes. Well, okay. So that's it for uh, predictions. How about goals? Um, I'll just jump on mine real quick. Uh, let's see. I, as a, part of my problem is I overthink projects a lot and I spend a lot of time, th- you know, sweating details instead of just getting in there and going. And it's difficult to produce at a high level and, and produce at the rate that I want to and still have those things. So I want to get better at that. Like I want to be able to make decisions faster. I want to hit the ground running, get into the shop sooner and get more projects. So at the end of the year, I actually should do a it's always interesting to do a tally at the end of the year, how many projects you've actually done. Um, but I want to look at that number and I want to improve on that next year. I don't want to decrease the quality of what I'm doing. I just want to get better at keeping the quality and keeping, you know, again, this does relate to content, keeping the content flowing, but I just want to build more stuff next year, spend less time at the computer and more time in the shop is, is part a really strong part of my goal for 2019. Uh, let's see, Shannon, what do you got? I could certainly second that as far as wanting to build more stuff. Um, but you should try me, power tools. What? By power tools? You should try yeah, power tools. That, that It'll may, all go faster. Maybe that, maybe that's it. No, for <laughs> me, there's just been this past year has just, there's been way too much stuff going on outside. You know, my day job has just gotten super, super crazy and it's cool because it's in the wood world. So I'm kind of constantly in touch with it, but yeah, it's severely yeah. cut back on my shop time. That's kind of always going to be a goal for me. But one of the ways that I'm hoping to do that is by going in an entirely different new direction. And as I said a couple of weeks ago, I now have a marquetry Chevrolet in my shop. And basically every second I'm in the shop now, I'm playing with that thing and trying some bull work here and there. So my goal for the next year is to actually incorporate marquetry into some projects, um, which also plays nice. into my prediction because I can see myself doing a lot more veneer work. And I've been looking at inspiration at a lot of Art Deco stuff. Um, and really wanting to tap into less time actually building the cabinet and more time making the cabinet pretty. Because mm-hmm. um, you, you look at a lot of that stuff, I mean, other than the really curved, you know, cool looking stuff, they're 
Well, Paul Schurz, this is like how he got his deal in marketry was, you know, I was selling regular tables, but then I could put like a marketry butterfly on the top and I could sell it for $500 more, probably a lot more than $500 more. You know, just that little bit of marketry on a regular old square coffee table totally dramatically changed the value of that. And for that matter, totally changes the perceived like wow factor of that project. So that's my goal this year is to really kind of get the hang of the the marketry side of things and get it involved in some of my projects more. Mm-hmm. That's cool, man. Marketry is good like that. The funny, funny thing though, is when I look at like something like Silas cops work <laughs> oh, yeah. now I see furniture, <laughs> even without the marketry, I look at it and I go, dang, yeah. like I'm not, what am I wasting my time for? <laughs> but he has the nerve to be able to build that amazing piece of furniture, but then make this incredibly artistic statement with his marketry right. on Cover top of that. Every which is inch just, of that amazing piece of furniture with like incredible marketing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Pretty insane stuff. Do you know, we need uh, those people in our lives to make us better, right? Or yeah, just make yeah, us feel better. Yeah, we bad. do. But how many people even know these guys? And that's, that's part of, that's like something that I feel is like, I don't know. I feel we're partly responsible for it. People who kind of have their toes in the old school world uh, to make sure people know that these insanely amazing artists are out there, but they're not exactly pushing a bunch of stuff out on Instagram. Like I, I don't think Silas is doing Instagram stories, no. you know, <laughs> it's like, no, but, but he's out of the circle of awareness, but Holy crap, the stuff he, he does is just mind boggling. Yeah. If you do nothing anyway. after this show, just Google Silas cough, just do a yeah. Google yeah. image yeah. search and, of Silas cough. And, and that's look, K- for the, K- look for him bricking himself into the wall cabinet or yeah, look for the K-O-P-F. cabinet. Let the three-dimensional cabinet where the door is open and there's stuff inside the cabinet, but the door is actually not open. It's not. Yeah, he it's does all that like perspective al- drawing on the Illusionary things. Just <laughs> so good. Ridiculous. Yeah. And uh, Paul, Paul Search as well is really good. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, Matt. What's your goal? To learn. Besides have another baby. <clears throat> <clears throat> yeah, live through that. Survive that. Survive boy number three. We'll see. <laughs> you know that's happening. Could be. Yeah. I don't know. We'll find out, I guess. Should be uh it'll be an interesting year because well we have the baby coming in March and we're still looking for a new house, so hopefully we'll find something. There's my goal. I hope to move and have more space finally next year. Oh, uh, that's a good one. And then have that move not totally destroy my life. <laughs> it will. <laughs> It will. Thanks, Mark. Hey, you got some heavy stuff to move now, man. I was going to say, you're going to make movers quit. They're going to show up and see the logs and go, I'm out. They're going to go, I'm out. I'm out of here. Nope. Nope. (laughs) It's going to be a pretty interesting move from a content production side of things. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mark has some really good shot move videos, but I'm gunning, just absolutely gunning to produce a better, more exciting, more action packed shot move. (laughs) Then all of Mark's combined. Good luck with I've that. I've said it here. Good right good now. luck with that, dude. Unless you want good one of your tools to tip over while they're moving it. Uh, well, it didn't actually tip over, though. It was a close call. And I will stand on my jointer and do something. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, actually, hey. I'm not that heavy, so maybe I have like someone bigger than me do it. I'll let you just stand <laughs> on your jointer and walk like an Egyptian. Yeah, there you go. Right over the guard. All I can say is it would be nice to watch someone else move for a change. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, kind of that's some of YouTube I'll watch. Like <laughs> yeah. I told Nicole that someone said 2019, we're coming up on a move year for Mark. So she's like, <laughs> yeah, eh, no, we are not moving. <laughs> Do you want to come out here and move me? That'd be kind of fun. 
we're not that close. I, I hear Aurora is booming right now. <laughs> yeah. Now you want to move to Colorado? I'll help you with that. I could use a Cremona in my neighborhood. I don't know if your neighbors would like me. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have, send you out in the middle of nowhere. It'll be fine. You might have trouble getting hardwood logs, but you know, maybe a different issue. Cool. I'll have them shipped in. Here we go. And bring some with you. Uh, anything else? Uh, we got goals, predictions, 2019. Have fun. I predict we will have fun in 2019. Yeah. And are we going to start enjoying, enjoying the show? Are we going to get less snarky or more snarky in uh, 2019? Uh, definitely more. more. I, f- I feel, especially for me. Yeah. Seriously, you are- can you go back and find some of Matt's first episodes and then listen to the transformation? No. Listen to the bad influence bad. that we it's have had so on terrible. Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Just call a spade a but, spade. It's our fault. Matt is snarky I, now. I, yeah. I said it back. I, oh, I feel like a year into it. I said, my problem when I first started is I respected you guys too much. Seriously, that's just, that's just total <laughs> yeah, error. You didn't want to s- step on us. <laughs> you know, actually, I didn't play the voicemail because, we, again, I mentioned this previously that we just had too many voicemails. Someone did leave some feedback about how we've changed, and they said that the, the dynamic is interesting, and it comes down to the, the personalities of the people. He said when uh, Vanderlist was on the show, he was more of just the happy-go-lucky, everybody's buddy, you know, not really looking to offend anybody at all. And, and, you know, maybe sugarcoats his comments a little bit, but kind of just the, the happy guy, everybody wants to be around. Uh, and then they had, you know, the more academic, um, sarcastic person being Shannon and then the just complete and total sarcastic person being me. Right. So then he, he says, so then when Cremona came on, we basically brought on another sarcastic personality. So that there are three of us and we don't have anyone to temper the sarcasm <laughs> on the show. And it's like, it, it can't be helped. It is what it is because we're, we're basically podcasting with people who we think are just good, able to be able to do this show and people we like and, and all that stuff. So we can't exactly turn, you know, Cremona into, into Vanderlist. That's, that would be silly, but it is interesting to see, like maybe that's a good part of what's happening is this is just the personality mix that's on the show right now. And it is what it is. Maybe. Maybe, maybe but I thought that was, I thought it was an interesting analysis that, and he's right. Vanderlist was totally that, uh, you know, happy go lucky dude that everybody would want to hang out with. Still and we're is. just the kind of, go ahead. What? He still is. Oh yeah, he is. Except for he's like doing his own thing. He's like work and family and stuff. He doesn't yeah. care about us. Work, family and paddle boards. <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for the show. Um, you know, it's been a great year. Maybe I new think, year. Uh, Merry New Year and Happy Christmas and all that good stuff. And I'll tell you what, this year has been fantastic. I thought 2018 in particular is when I, I feel like the the audience participation, uh, the pickup of voicemail contact, uh, the amount of like dialogue back and forth with the audience has been fantastic. And you're, you know, so speaking directly to the audience, this is something that I want to thank you folks for uh, sticking with us. And in spite of what some people think, we do love doing the show. <laughs> And we wouldn't do it otherwise. Um, You know, and I think 2019, things are going to get even better. Uh, We've got this little kick up in quality on the show. We're going to start doing the live show uh, like we did today. This was just a test run. And uh, forgetting we're broadcasting. I know people are watching right now. Uh, So it's going to be fun. It's going to be a good time. And, uh, you know, we're not going to quit yet. Not yet. Not yet. I predict we won't quit in 2019. That's a, that's a solid prediction. I'm with you on that one. I predict we take a summer break. <laughs> <laughs> and a spring break. We do have, kind of have a seasonal break for, for every season. Don't we? 
We do now. Yeah. Well, if we don't, we don't, we will. All right. So thank you for listening, everybody. Thanks for sticking with us. And we will see you in, um, uh, you want to do the contact information <laughs> before I, before I and totally close off the show? We'll see you next year. Yeah. <laughs> So, this is a special one because we won't see you till next year. If you have yeah. comments, questions, or topic sessions, keep them to yourself. Yep. <laughs> Hang on to them. Hold that thought. Yeah. If you have questions, send them in. Just recognize we probably won't see them for a while. Um, if you have comments or questions, by all means, send them to us. Just probably they won't make it on the show because it just, it's no fun when you're listening to a show and somebody's commenting on something that happened three months ago. No one knows that. Yeah. No one mm-hmm. knows what's going on. So, but I, by all means, send us a voicemail, use your voice memo app and send it to woodtalkonline at gmail.com or go to our contact form at woodtalkshow.com slash contact or just leave us a comment on the website. Wish us a Merry New Year. Wish Merry New Year. You, Merry we recorded year. more or all kinds of fun stuff. Nobody We're on Instagram. We are on Instagram. Find us on Instagram. If you can't find us on YouTube, go on Instagram. We're there. Yep. We are there all, all the time. Every day. All right. Well, uh, I guess I can say this because it's the right time to say it. Uh, Thank you for listening, everyone. And we will catch you in 2019. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.